Okay, so I'm going to emerge from hiding at this point and oh, there I am. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick peek at the chat. So let's see what we got here. Okay, and, and of course these just went to me directly. I'm not gonna out who asked the question. So feel free to, to ask away if you haven't already. So someone asked about advice in terms of picking an intended major um, in terms of, of college apps. Is it better to leave it undecided? Um, that's a really good question. So for a lot of schools, and I don't know if you necessarily meant the, uh, let's say the most selective universities where you know, it might kind of be at your disadvantage if you're applying to a certain program. Um, it can in, in certain cases. The major I always kind of get nervous about, and I don't mean to kind of um, put any of you on the spot because I know I've already had conversations with some of you, but computer science is the toughest major to get into these days. And so, um, you know, even schools where their general admit rate might be Kind of in the 50% range, but comp size closer to 4%. You just, it, and sometimes schools are transparent about that. Sometimes they're not, um, to be frank, because they don't want to discourage you from applying. They want to boost their application numbers. And so there's kind of that whole admissions y um, aspect to that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that um, undecided is an advantage in some cases because you can apply to, let's say, just a non, let's say a non-impacted major. And it's not like undecided is better than, let's say, just kind of a standard biology major. Um, just keep in mind that for some schools, depending on the major you apply to, they may um, look at your transcript differently. So if you are applying to science, I think they want to see that, um, that you've taken a rigorous science curriculum and et cetera. So, um, and I think it's also kind of a school by school basis. And um, a lot of schools also allow you to um, input a second choice major um, because of perhaps the competitiveness of your first choice major. And so definitely take advantage of that. Uh, for the UCs, you can do that with the exception of Berkeley for whatever reason. Um, so, so yeah, you, you can be strategic in some ways. Um, oops, I started from the bottom. I should have started from the top, okay. Um, yeah, so just a general question of getting in through early decision versus regular. So statistically, there, there is a statistical advantage to applying early decision versus regular. That is true. Uh, for the schools that have early decision two, ED2 is somewhere in between ED1 and regular. Here's the thing though, because I can't go as far as to say that it is easier to get in early decision, because for many schools, that's actually not the case, because everyone's kind of thinking the same thing in terms of where am I going to put this chip? And also when you're applying ED, especially ED1, you're also applying with uh, the recruited athletes, the, the other factors that can go into admissions. And it's also students who are who are also very competitive, who are throwing in their chip. And so in many cases, it is gonna be the most competitive pool um, as you apply. So not necessarily easier. Um, what it really comes down to is, and, and of course this is a conversation we'll have 
many months later, but as you kind of narrow down your shortlist, that's when we start having the conversation. Okay, are you gonna use your ED chip here? These are your other options. Um, there's also the conversation of whether, you, whether or not you actually wanna commit because it does seem like so many Bishop students apply early that it almost feels trendy to do so. And so there's kind of this peer pressure to apply early when in actuality, it might not be the best option uh, depending on where you are in the process. So, um, so it, it could help, it, it, it does depend on the school in many ways. Um, and then kind of a follow-up question, do many schools have both early decision and early action? I wouldn't say many, but some definitely do. I, it's, I kind of find it odd why schools have both early decision and early action because they treat those pools very differently. And so um, just off the top of my head, um, Chicago has both ED and EA. Um, uh, Tulane is kind of famous for, I, I think Tulane started the trend of early decision and early action. So, and other schools kind of um, followed suit. Um, Santa Clara actually is brand new to the game. And so, so there are some pretty popular schools for Bishop students that do offer both, but I wouldn't say it's common. Um, and as I said before, not many schools also have ED2 as well. And so, um, you know, if you're thinking about ED2, make sure the school offers it to begin with. Okay. Um, ah, good question. So someone asked about the deferred factor for this year's class. So, um, so I've heard that many students accepted last year deferred admission to their college for this year, um, which I believe has lowered the number of spaces available to the class of 2021. Do you think that will be the case of our class of 22 when applying? So actually this year, it had less, far less of an impact than initially feared because for one, um, for some schools, it wasn't a significant increase to begin with. And for other schools, they recognized that they didn't wanna just penalize the class of 2021 um, just because it happened to be their year. So it really didn't, so some schools are admitting more students this year um, because of that. Um, quite frankly, colleges need the tuition revenue. And so there's that college perspective yet again as to why they would do that. They're not just trying to be super kind. And so it didn't actually have as significant an impact. And, and I expect more of the same for your class. I do think in general, deferring has become more popular. I'm having a lot more conversations um, these last few years than at the beginning of my college counseling career. And you know, some of you may be thinking about that as an option right now. And so we'll, we'll have that conversation as well if that's something you're thinking about. Okay, um, so how do you decide on who to ask for a recommendation? Um, so for teachers, I mean, for me, you have no choice, right? Um, for your teachers, it's, think about the teachers who you think know you the best. Sometimes your comments can be indicative of that. I wouldn't necessarily put too much weight on the comments, um, but it really is just about, I think kind of anticipating not just how you've done in class, but just kind of how you engage within that atmosphere. And if you know that teachers can tell anecdotes about you, that's always gonna be helpful. And, and you definitely want at least one teacher from this year. So someone that you currently have 
Um, you can go as back go as far back as sophomore year if you feel like you have a really strong connection with that teacher, or let's say you have them again senior year. That's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes, and I guess also you can sometimes gauge by the teacher's reaction when you ask them for a letter of recommendation. So if you're kind of non-committal and just say, "Hey, I'm um, I'm thinking about who to ask for recommendation," I was wondering if if you would be open to, to writing my letter of recommendation and kind of gauge their reaction from there. Um, I do feel like most students have a pretty good idea who they want to ask. And so, um, and I will say just very confidently, our, our teachers write really strong letters. And so if a teacher does agree to write your letter, they're gonna write a strong one. So this is extra work for them. And so they're not gonna say yes and then just completely throw you under the bus. So I, I would not worry about that. Okay. Um, do colleges release major specific admission rates? Some do. And some hold that pretty, pretty close internally. And so, and I think this is just a general thing about colleges where just some are just more transparent than others, quite frankly. Like some are very transparent about Kind of their admissions process and what they see in applications. Um, if you have a major in mind, when you're attending these college visits or even um, these kind of broader receptions that colleges will host, you should ask that question. Like that's that is totally fair game, and see how the rep responds to that. And I think that transparency may give you a good may give you a certain feeling about the school itself. You never know. Um, and so some colleges will kind of post that. Um, on their websites or in their literature. Um, but I think in most cases, you have to do some digging on your own. Okay, next. Is there a way for us to get in contact with Bishop's alums who have gone to some of the colleges we are considering applying to? Yes. And I don't know if it's still available, but we did have a database on Whipple Hill that has a list of alums who have volunteered uh, their information. Um, also, as you meet with me and as you are interested in certain schools, I can just connect you directly, or at least give you um, names of um, students who've gone to those schools. And given social networking these days, it is very easy to find people. And so I'm not concerned about that part of it, um, but uh, we can certainly connect you to um, alums who are attending those schools. Um, and at this time of year, we would also have an alumni panel, but um, we decided to, to kind of skip that this year, unfortunately. Um, but, but yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so kind of a similar question to the major question earlier. So we, we're almost done with the question. So if you have anything else, go ahead and, and put that into the chat. Um, so do you have to apply to schools with a major in mind? For example, could I just say I wanna go into engineering and then decide what specific major I wanna to go, to, go into after taking some of the classes? that does depend on the school. Um, a lot of engineering programs actually have kind of an undecided engineering option. So, so yes, it's possible. It depends on the school. And I, I think that's also a question we're gonna have to have individually because you don't want to be non-committal for a major that might be harder to get into, right? So you don't want to accidentally put yourself as a, at a disadvantage as you're applying to these schools. Okay. Um, 
for a STEM student, which is better in terms of letters? Both letters from STEM versus one from science, oh, one from science and math, one from history, social science, got it. So again, for a place like MIT, they don't give you that choice, but I also suspect that a lot of other um, STEM heavy schools have a similar philosophy, even though they don't state that explicitly. And so, I think it's still important to get the two teachers that you think have the most compelling things to say about you. And you know, for a lot of STEM-minded people, that is their math and science teacher. But I don't want you to think that you shouldn't have your English teacher write a letter because I, I think English teachers have a lot of um, insightful things to say that actually um, connect to STEM fields. Also, quite frankly, our English faculty write very strong letters. And so if you, you feel that you have a good relationship with your English teacher, that's, I think, a good way to go. So um, I just I don't want you to think that you have to be all STEM uh, for your laser rec to be competitive for a STEM program. OK, how does bishops calculate GPA and how do colleges look at them? Great question. So, um, so the bishop's GPA, and, and as I alluded to earlier, it's kind of this thing that sort of isn't real. Um, I mean, it's real, but it's it's very um, it's it's kind of this hot topic within just our community. And and I will say that the GPA calculation will change um, in a few years. So right now, it is basically starting from sophomore year um, till senior year. And so right now, your GPA is um, based on, well, I guess um, first semester grades have just been added. So it's going to be based on three semesters. And so that is the Bishop's GPA. Now colleges are not going to pretend that freshman year didn't happen. And so most schools, when they recalculate, are going to um, consider your freshman year in mind. And which is why that we were now, for the Bishop's GPA, we are including um, freshman year. And so it's, it just gives a more accurate uh, representation of your GPA. I mean, everyone's GPA is kind of um, inflated because it doesn't include freshman year. And so uh, we just want to be more uh, realistic about um, where you stand. And so, um, so cal colleges calculate them quite differently. And I know how USC does it. I'm kind of sworn to secrecy, but, uh, but it's going to be very different to how other schools do it. I mean, the UCs are kind of similar to bishops where they only include sophomore and junior year. They don't count pluses or minuses. They have kind of their own process um, and other schools will not include um, some classes that we do include in our GPA. So it, it's gonna be different for every school. Uh, but as I said before, you're not gonna be compared directly with uh, students from other schools. I will say that for some schools that have many students from bishops applying, let's say USC, for example, they do have a way after they recalculate your GPA to basically, um, they, can, they can kind of see where you stand in the class. And so when I kind of describe a school as a reach, um, that is partially what I, have, what I have to take into consideration. So when you're looking at these super selective schools and you kind of look at, um, you know, who else is applying potentially. And not that I would reveal that, but students kind of tend to, tend to know who else is applying. Um, I mean, 
colleges aren't going to draw a line and decide, okay, everyone here and above is getting in. That's not how it works. But you do have to take into consideration at a certain point, you know, there are other admissions counselors in the office fighting for their own students. And there's only so much that your admission counselor can do to fight for, for all Bishop students. And so that can be um, kind of a challenge when it comes to um, you know, how the bishops or how GPAs are considered. Um, also related to the GPA, um, the bishop's transcript does not show the GPA. Um, why is that? I have no idea. It is very strange, um, but you do report a GPA on the common application. It's also part of uh, what we call a secondary school report. That's another change that's going to happen hopefully next year where um, the GPA is going to appear um, on the transcript. And so hopefully that's, um, that's no longer an issue very shortly. Um, oh, okay. So I sort of addressed this. So will Bishop students applying to the same school be compared within themselves? If yes, will that be by GPA, extracurriculars, et cetera? So I sort of gave you kind of the GPA recalculation situation. And that is just kind of a frame of reference more than anything else. Again, it's not a matter of just drawing a line at a certain point. Um, your extracurriculars, it's, it's not, again, it's not this contest to see who's done more, more things. And, and, and yeah, like I think some activities can be impressive on the surface, but I think when you're, when you're looking at the, the most competitive schools out there, you can do everything right and still not have things go your way just because, you know, we're not the only game in town. And it's, um, if you've seen the COVID video already, you'll probably be shocked to see kind of some of the increase in applications this year. And it might be similar next year. And so basically, if you haven't seen it, early applications increased significantly because of the test optional landscape. So students who, let's say, didn't have test scores where they wanted to be, realized that, well, they're not required for admissions, so I'm going to go ahead and shoot my shot. And so I think MIT had the most extreme increase. They were up 62% in early applications this year. And so, um, yeah, just looking at it very broadly, it's just as competitive as ever. Um, sorry, I'm sort of digressing from the actual question. So it's not... It's not a direct comparison uh, it's outside of kind of the academic piece because every person is looked at um, one application at a time. Okay, is there a GPA ranking in bishops? Do we share to colleges? We do not share rank to colleges. Um, that is a pretty standard policy among independent schools. And so that will not go um, to colleges. We can rank. Um, I mean, we do that for, for cum laude and for other things. I can tell you what that is if you want. Um, and, you know, in some cases I, I will share that just to give you additional context, but, uh, but it is not something we share with colleges. Okay, and then the last question I see. So the GPA on score says it was updated seven months ago. Does that mean, oh yes. So the GPAs have not been updated yet. Um, and our seniors are still waiting for their GPAs and transcripts to be updated so we can send those to colleges. So, and we're, we're gonna take care of the seniors first just to make sure we, we get all that out. And so um, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll, we will update the GPAs on SCORE. Uh, we do update them after 
um, every semester. And I think there was something else about score I wanted to say. Do, do, do. Yeah, okay, I lost it. But, um, but yeah, GPAs will be um, updated shortly. Okay, that is the last question I see in the chat. Um, so just kidding, I have one more question in the chat. Um, two more questions in the chat. So do you help us select the short list of schools? It seems overwhelming. Absolutely, that is the probably the biggest role I can play in this process is helping you, first of all, start broadly in terms of kind of what you're looking for in a school. And, you know, if your initial list is Harvard, Princeton, Stanford, MIT, Yale, Chicago, Johns Hopkins, you know, my, my heart might stop for a second, but we will kind of talk about why those schools are appealing and then kind of expand that into other options that have similar things to offer um, and, and then go from there. So we are gonna go from broad to narrow um, throughout this process and, um, and, and yeah, going into the short list. And short is relative these days. And so, and the admissions process has two very distinct seasons, right? So you have the early season and that is more of a short list. And then you have this broader regular season where um, depending on what happens with earlies, you might be done. You might just cut your list significantly. Um, the only issue is that with the UC deadline, you have to apply before you hear from your early schools. And so there's still work to be done um, during kind of that early waiting period. But, uh, but I'll definitely help you strategize. And also if you are, let's say um, deadline challenged, I will help you in terms of um, just having a kind of a, an application calendar so that you're not just doing everything at the last minute if, if necessary. Um, but again, take advantage of the summer just to get off to that early start. Okay, so I guess when I say we're almost done with questions, that's when more questions emerge. <laughs> so, um, okay, so have you seen any evidence that social justice concerns are impacting students from, um, from schools of, of privilege such as bishops? I do not actually. Um, and I think for one, it does affect potentially where you're looking. I think a, a conversation I've had, and this, this happened, started happening about four years ago um, when the political climate of a school actually became a more important factor than, than in previous years. And, and that, that makes sense. Um, and and so that could determine your fit for a school. Um, I think kind of this whole idea of privilege, um, you bring up a good point because something that I mentioned in, I think it was the COVID video was kind of this whole idea of self-awareness and the college application process has become kind of this exercise in self-awareness and so the director of Tulane University, Jeff Schiffman, um, if you've never heard him speak, I highly recommend it, even if you're not applying to Tulane. He is one of the most transparent directors of admission, I think, in the country. But he, and he also has a blog, uh, but he makes it a point for schools coming from schools like bishops to, I, I think the term is to be aware of your privilege. And so every reader has 
some sort of bias. And so if somewhere on your application, you kind of come across in a way that is not presenting yourself in the best light. Let's say, for example, you're writing an essay about scuba diving, which is something that may not be accessible to some people. I mean, that's, and that's something I'm kind of on the lookout for as well as a former admissions person and you know, as someone who went to a public high school and who didn't, who wasn't involved with private schools till college. Um, you know, I, I have to admit that I think my private school bias emerged from time to time as I was reading applications. And so content is important. I think tone is also important in this process. Okay, are there any scholarships we should know about or start applying to now or can those wait? There are scholarships, scholarships you can look at now, I mean, at least smaller ones. Um, so you can go to the College Board website or uh, fastweb. Um, org. It, they're kind of the, the two main ones for smaller outside scholarships. Um, there aren't a ton available now, but there are some. The most significant scholarships are going to come from the colleges themselves. And so some do have a separate process for that, as I said earlier. Um, and, but I think a lot of schools, it's also just automatic. You apply, and then you're automatically considered for scholarships. And a lot of schools give scholarships that they don't even advertise. And so, um, and, and that could also be regardless of need. And so if you weren't intending on applying for financial aid and you find yourself, you have this scholarship, um, that is kind of one way that colleges are trying to get you. Um, you know, financial aid used to be this tool to, um, to make colleges more accessible. These days it's become more of a yielding tool than anything else and so so a lot of scholarships will be automatic. Um, and as we start hearing about scholarships, we will forward those to you. A lot of schools also have a separate um, nomination process. And so uh, we, will, we will nominate students internally, potentially. And we'll also, there are others where it, it's a self-nomination. And so we will get those out to you as well. Okay, so... Can you comment about how schools feel about upward trend, grade trend versus strict GPA? Yes. So your transcript isn't just a just one GPA. It, they will look at trend. They'll take that into consideration. Um, they will look at rigor. They'll look at bishops. Now, different schools look at trends in, in different ways. And so, you know, for the most selective schools, there's there's not much room for a severe upward trend. And then there are other schools that really monitor that closely. And so it does depend, but your transcript is more than just a GPA. And then are there any takeaways from the early cycle of admissions and denials this year? Um, absolutely. It's kind of what I said before in terms of just the sheer increase of, of applications. Um, I'll also say that you have to be strategic with where you apply. And I think this year, again, given the test optional landscape, I, I think that tempted students, and I'm not just talking bishops, I think nationwide, to, how can I say, maybe be less strategic than they had in, in previous years. And so I think there's a point to, to make about that. And so, and I think given the selectivity, and I think, again, this recalibration of 
what these selective schools are, what has become more selective than previous years. We have to pay attention to that and, and we have to adjust to that. Um, that's something that we've kind of been slow to adjust to and, and we have to, to look at those numbers and, and adapt. Okay, do we have stats of admissions of our students of their GPAST for different colleges? Yeah, so on score, um, and it should be accessible to both students and parents, you can look at the scattergrams of individual schools to see kind of how students did based on their GPA and SAT combination. There are a few schools that you may not see the data because there are just, there aren't as many data points. And then for others, um, there are tons of data points more than you can imagine. They're not, just take those with a grain of salt because they're not necessarily accurate. You, you can't average those out and just say, okay, so if I'm above the average, then I have a good chance of getting in. That's not necessarily the case, but you can um, certainly look at those scattergrams and kind of see where you are. And I see students react in different ways. Those who become discouraged by kind of where they are in the, in the scattergram and others who become maybe overly confident by where they are in the scattergram. So when, when it comes to your final list or at least kind of where you're looking, um, I'll be sure to kind of help you kind of identify the kind of reach versus target versus likely and then kind of the in-betweens and, and kind of the far reach slash possibly out of reach category as well. And so again, I'm gonna, I, I wanna be as transparent as I can to give you as, as much information as possible. Okay, and then question about honors. Is National Merit Scholarship or AP Honors with Distinction worth mentioning under honors? Yes. So there is a section on both the Common App and the UC application where you can list honors. Any honors you can list qualifies because they also ask you to identify, is it national, is it school? Um, and so, you know, you may just get a department award that qualifies as well. Honor roll or honor bar, like any, any of that counts. And, you know, they are, they do give you a limited amount of space. And so you can also combine things or just prioritize where, where to put what, that makes sense. Okay. That's all I got. So, all right, that went a little bit long, but I really appreciate all the questions that you asked. Students, the junior questionnaire is available. Let's get that done um, and let, let's start meeting. It's, I know for some of you, we have some catching up to do and I really wish I could have seen you all last spring, but, um, but I, I definitely wanna make up for that. So if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to, to email me individually, um, I think, Hopefully you have my scheduling link as well and we can um, go from there. And so I also have, I happen to have a lot of siblings um, in this group. So it's nice to see some familiar faces out there among the parents. So it's good to see you again and we will be in touch. So thank you so much. And again, a copy of this uh, presentation will be available if you, if you really want to see it again, you're more than welcome to do so. So um, I will talk to you soon. Thanks again.